Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everyone. It is Pierce, host of the PJ's Cast. And if you enjoy listening to the PJ's Cast as much as we do recording it, please leave a positive review, subscribe, and share with friends no matter what platform you may be on. We love discussing the Chicago Blackhawks and, of course, the game of hockey. But we want to reach this out to a wider audience. And doing all those things really help us out. So once again, if you enjoy the PJ's Cast, please leave a positive review, subscribe, and share with friends. And I hope you guys enjoyed the upcoming podcast episode. Welcome everyone to the PJ's Cast. I'm your host Pierce, joined alongside of my good pal Schmitty, and uh, missing in, missing in action uh, is Jimmy. So it's just going to be the two of us uh, tall kings going out of here to discuss what's been going on. And man, oh man, it's it felt like that regular season, even though it was 56 games, it felt like a very long time. And we deserve playoff hockey. And not only do we deserve playoff hockey, but we've deserved this quality of playoff hockey we've been getting. So. Naturally, first things first, I want to start with the Calgary-Vancouver game, which admittedly, I did not watch at all, but um, <laughs> I was you watching. you did watch and you're not a Canucks or Flames fan, like, why are you doing that to yourself? <laughs> the only thing I have to say about that game is, one, Calgary did win, which means I think if they win or get three points in their last two games, they move ahead of Chicago, which gives them a better chance. And the other thing, number two, one of the guys who got in a fight, his last name was Mackey, and all I could think of was Mr. Mackey from South Park. That's all I had to bring up about it. Okay. 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 Now, in those obscenities, okay? Okay. <laughs> That's you know, uh, don't do drugs, because uh, drugs are bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so... The Bulls and Panthers, holy shit. Dude, that game was everything as advertised and more. That had Game 7 vibes, and it's only the first game. Now, this could go one of two ways. Now, the series could be shit from here on out, or this is just the beginning of a great series, but I think it's more the latter part. Dude, this is going to be a fucking awesome. And there's hate between those two teams. They do not like each other. We saw the two games going into the uh, the playoffs. They, they went at it. They don't like each other, and that just showed on the ice, and Everything you want to see in a playoff hockey game was there. The speed, the physicality, the big saves. I mean, you can <laughs> you can question maybe some of the goals that went in, but I thought a lot of them were like uh, like there was big saves and a lot of the goals they they were just nice plays. I just thought it was a great game and um and it felt like an overtime game. All the other games have gone to overtime, but that felt like an overtime game. When it was four four, you knew whoever was going to score next, if, whether it was in regulation or not, they were going to win the game. And of course, Braden Point. With a minute left, coming down on a breakaway, scores, beats Bobrovsky. It's just, oh, man, oh, man, it was such a fucking good game. And there were some questionable calls by the refs, but I think it speaks to the quality of these two teams that 
it kind of overshadowed a bit of the roughing, but we saw today that um, Sam Bennett did get a uh, suspension for one game for, for boarding Blake Coleman, and I mean, fine, but then you look at the Ryan McDonough play where he got Anthony Duclair right in the numbers against the board and nothing was called there, and I mean, I, I don't want to be like, uh, bias, the league is against Tampa Bay, but you just look at all the shit they've been getting away with, whether it's the salary cap, and personally, I have no problem with Tampa Bay doing it, it's the NHL's fault, the NHL is enabling him to do this like and <laughs> i saw this and it's funny because we've seen toronto and toronto or t- jesus toronto and tampa bay fans too many t's um arguing about like circumnavigating the cap like obviously tampa bay with the kucherov and then you look at what toronto's done with riley nash and even they're just a pass and it's kind of funny as chicago blackhawks fans we were kind of like the first team to like notably do that where we sat patrick kane and yeah of course he magically came back for the playoffs because seller cap doesn't count in the playoffs and yeah, but uh, you live in Florida, so um, I want to hear your thoughts on this game. <laughs> so, <clears throat> um, yeah, that was, I'm going to be honest, that was probably one of the best playoff games I've seen in the last five years. Like, that and probably Game 7 last year of Colorado-Dallas. Oh just like God, that was a classic. If, if, I'm, if I'm trying to show any random person that has not into hockey what this sport's about, I show them this game. You should show them this game because this game had it all it had great saves it had great goals it had just fast play back and forth one thing i forgot to sorry the one thing i forgot to bring up the fans were awesome in florida and i know florida gets a lot of shit like bad attendance but you look they have not had a good team most of their existence but even in the the 96 cup run you remember just you watch videos of it you just see all them throwing the rats on the ice and the crowd even though i think it was only half full there's i think it was nine thousand people the the crowd is rocking it's awesome to see that and two non-traditional markets with uh tampa bay and florida it's so good to see them doing well both really evenly matched teams and we saw that in that first game yeah you tell someone 10 years ago the best hockey state in the country is florida no one's gonna <laughs> yeah. believe you and um i this game just it had two ways it could have went i felt like because like you said we'd never had a crowd like that all year and almost in two years when you think about it or a year and a half so like these these players haven't had those momentum swings you get from the crowd and i just remember i was sitting there watching the third period and jonathan huberto single-handedly changed the momentum of that game on his own Oh man, that's dude holy shit oh my god just that's superstar stuff right there and I remember sitting there and I was just like, okay, all they need to do is just close this game out and don't take any penalties. And then Sam Bennett pulls an Andrew Shaw and just, oh, he just, he just takes, and he, and the worst part about the Bennett thing is he had a good game, but two of the penalties he took led to goals. And the mm-hmm. thing is, when you're playing Tampa 100%, you cannot Dude, take those Their penalties. power plays lethal, especially oh with drop back gosh. two goals. That oh slap pass to Braden Point. Dude, the, the way he fit so hard. It, oh my god. The way god. he faked it and sold it was incredible. Dude, they have such good chemistry on that power play. And, like, I remember I saw someone on Twitter last night joking. They said, Who needs a power play coach? Just watch Tampa. Like, yeah. and I, and obviously, they, not everyone can do what Tampa does because it's a talent thing, but, like, oh my gosh. They know how to, and the thing, I, every time I watch this Tampa team this year, they kind of remind me of, like, what the Hawks started doing later into their dynasty. Like that 13, 14, 15, or 14, 15, 16, especially, where they wouldn't like turn it turn it on every night to like the way we know they could, but they knew how to just kind of squeak out with wins. And yeah. this team's very opportunistic. And that's something that's scary when you have a goalie in that like Andre Vasilevsky who can hold down the fort as well as he did. Cause I'm sorry. It could have easily been five, three, six, three in the third if there's a goalie not named Andre Vasilevsky in the net. Florida had some wide open chances in the middle of the slot that he denied at multiple occasions to keep that game at 4-3. And then, obviously, we know what happened with Braden Point in Tampa. But, man, that get, that that is just – obviously, like, there's a lot of penalties and stuff. But what do you expect? Those and They could have called so many more, too. They could have called so many more. But I feel like they held it back very well. It was just a great game. Also, big shout-out to Ryan Lomberg. He made his name last night in that game. He was every time he was on the ice, he was pestering people on Tampa and and not just like one person. You would watch that. There'd be like three people on him at the end of every uh, scrum. Just a great game. That's what you want in playoff hockey right there. 
I remember Kucherov had a break, I think it was in the first period, and he kind of looked, I don't want to say he looked weak, but it looked uncharacteristic of him because he kind of just whiffed the week, week back at him. I was wondering, okay, maybe he's a bit rusty. And then you look at the second period, and I'm like, oh, God, was I wrong? And <laughs> the amazing thing about the first Kucherov goal, Edmund was at the point he could have either, I think it was Stamkos was wide open for the one-timer, and so was Kucherov. It's just ridiculous. Edmund could have gone either way, and it probably would have gone, but he goes to Kucherov, and he just snipes that no problem and like his second goal was similar to except it was off a turnover but he was in that same spot and yeah i mean you can complain about all the cap things uh, but like nikita kutrov was incredible last night and he does not look rusty and obviously he's been skating and stuff and you definitely like tampa bay like knew he was going to be back in time for the playoffs and like again tampa bay if if they're not going to get punished for it then they're going to do this i'm I'm not going to get mad at Tampa. I'm going to get mad at the NHL. Blame the blame the game, not the player, you know? Yeah, no, it's 100% just that, that's on the NHL for allowing teams to do that. I mean, obviously nothing against the player. I mean, people, I feel like people give Kucherov a lot of slack, me included, but the guy had 128 points. He was a hard ago. winner. Hart, Art Ross, almost, could have won the Rocket, too, if he didn't have 240 goal scorers on his team. Could have won the Conn Smythe last year, too. Like, he had yep. a really good playoffs last Pro- year probably should have won the con smite honestly him or, him point, or brain but... yeah brain point dude brain point i like how he gets buried in all of this because he i would dude i would say he's the best forward on the team just in terms of like all around play like he's like last year we saw him kind of put on that crosby performance where he just he'll handle the puck and you can't you can't get him off him beside uh, even though he's not the biggest guy but dude brain point you know, all the talk was like Kucherov coming back, Stamkos coming back, and then you look at Florida and Huberto and Barkov, they're going to really have a breakout. And they were amazing, but Brain Point was like the the X factor that game, obviously getting the breakaway goal. And I love Brain Point so much. He's one of my favorite players in the NHL, and it still blows, me, <laughs> blows my mind to this day that he went in the third round, especially yeah. in that, that 2014 draft where if you do a redraft, he might be first or second overall, like him and Drysaddle or Badland out for first overall. Yeah, the thing that's crazy about Point when he got drafted that late too is he was fifth in OHL scoring that year. Oh, he's in the WHL. I think or WHL. Sorry, I, he was in. Yeah. He was in one of the junior leagues in our, in yeah. Canada. He was in Bouchard, and he was fifth, and as like as eighteen or seventeen year old. Like I don't know what his exact age was, but no one looked at it because he was just, he was just like, okay, cool. And the thing with the thing with like now that the Lightning are healthy, Point doesn't get those top line assignments anymore. And he gets his winger back and Sorelli, Kucherov too. Yeah. Well, yeah, they put Sorelli and the, with and Stamkos. the board line as well because they can mm-hmm. just piss anyone off and play defense yep. and also score. It just so it just gives this team so deep when they're healthy. It's and this is probably gonna be the last year that they're gonna be able to be this deep. So they better make it count because you're not gonna have a eight million dollar player miss the whole year again. Sorry. It's not happening well, twice. They got like 90 million, 98 million total dollars. Like they're almost at a hundred million dollars. It's crazy. Yeah, they're going to, they're going to, it's going to get tight next year, but that's not, that's not a problem. It's about oh, this year in the playoffs and they won game down. one and now they got home ice. So good on and them. I, and and I, I know everyone's calling. Sorry. What? Oh, I was going to say, and I chose Florida. I still very much think they could win. Like this is not over by any means. I wow. think this still goes the distance, but Tampa Bay, I mean, Florida, I just feel like they have that magic, but at the same time, Tampa Bay, dude, they know what it takes to get it done, and that can kind of get overblown, but especially doing it how they did last year in the bubble and all that stuff, I think that gives them, like, an extra, I don't know what the exact word is for it, but, like, I don't know. Um, they just have the experience. They've been there yeah. before. The, the and Panthers that, haven't had that group together. No, they haven't before. They haven't made it past the first round. Like I don't think I don't think they've made it past the first round since they won the Cup Finals in '96. So it's been it's been 25 years. And like they and you got to remember this Florida team. They haven't even this whole team together wasn't even in the bubble last year together. Uh-oh. You got to think half of these guys are Zito acquisitions. So mm-hmm. they it's it's going to be a growing process. But obviously it's the first game and you just got to make adjustments. But the thing I wanted to point was um I know. A lot of people, including myself, with the heat of the moment, were saying Drieger should probably get the start. Oh, 100%. I think he does get the I third. say so as well, but I could see a world where Quinville doesn't. Just because if I'm looking at that from Quinville's perspective, three of those goals were power play goals to stay out of the fucking box. Because yeah. they, they played them very well five on five. Definitely, yeah. People that, like, not, not, that's not going to get talked about it much or since the, the Panthers lost, but the Lightning were on their heels for the majority of that game. <laughs> 
And they, like I said, they are lucky Andre Vasilevsky was holding down the fort in, later in that game because they could have got ugly early in that third. Like, you should, they, should just, they should be grateful they only let up two goals early in the third. It could have easily been four. Like a Blackhawks-esque <laughs> start to the period. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. God, what was I going to say? But yeah, I think they start uh, Drieger at game two. And as Joe Quenville will say, he'll say, we'll see. We'll Just see. That. That's, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They'll save Bobrovsky's got lower body. Yeah. Day to day, we'll have to see on that one. Um, so I don't know. Do you have anything else to bring up about that game? No, that was just, it was just like, it's exactly what you want in playoff hockey. And exactly. I feel like we got spoiled with a lot of these games. Oh, we totally did. All one goal, all most overtime. I mean, shit. Dude, it might as well. That. It might, this game might as well. Yeah, it was a minute time. away from overtime. Yeah. Like, jeez. Anyways, uh, the next game, Wild versus Knights now. Obviously, the goals weren't there like the Tampa Bay game, but this was a goaltender's duel, and I loved every minute of it. Now, Vegas did have the uh, more shots, but I thought Minnesota had the more quality chances. Like, you look at poor Ryan Hartman. I don't know. He had, like, five great <laughs> scoring opportunities, and he couldn't score. And you just see the cappers off one where not only did, like, the fact he made an incredible move, and we're not talking about that, is because of how Flurry got across and stopped it. He was incredible, and it figures that um the overtime goal scored by joel erickson heck is how it went and i think it was a turnover by petrangelo and they get it to the front of the net and joel erickson is wide open i think it went off of alec martinez and into the net see how it feels alec martinez a puck going off you into the net for a big goal yeah don't feel so good now does it but and um it was a it was a great game like again we cannot uh overstate like how much the fans does for the playoffs how much it adds to drama because the fans i mean say what you want about vegas but their their fans are incredible there the atmosphere atmosphere there is incredible and just hearing the crowd roaring again like after all the big saves and even when they got scored on like when they got silenced it's just so it's so amazing to hear like the crowd is a part of the story and i just love it and I think that's going to be a good series. I think Minnesota, I said it's going to go to seven. I think Vegas does pull it out. But look, you look at it for Vegas now, this is a third series in a row where I don't, nothing against these goalies, but they're not elite goalies. Like you look at Cam Talbot, he had an incredible game, 40 safe shutout. Um, you look at last year, Anton Kudobin was incredible against them. They probably should have won that series. Um, and then you go back to... Uh, Vancouver, where they almost lost that series to Thatcher Demko. I mean, very good goalies, but they're not like elite top of the level NHL goaltenders. But <laughs> Vegas, it's just interesting because it seems like they had all the luck go their way. Um, the first year they made it to the Cup final, it just seems like they're paying for it now with all these <laughs> these goalies. Are, like by how much they're getting goalied, and it's interesting because like they they do have great players, but they don't have like those high end finishers. It seemed like, I feel like if they had a max Petrady, maybe in that first game, that can help because he was out. But I wonder if he comes back and maybe they get a couple goals. I don't know, but it's, it's, it's interesting with Vegas. Cause this is the third series in an hour and they're incredible at producing high end danger chances, but they just couldn't finish. Yeah. I feel like not having Petrady game one is definitely a major loss for that team. Because when you put a no-sec on a line with Stevenson yeah. and Stone, you're asking Mark Stone to do a lot. And I know Mark Stone's a hell of a winger, but it's kind of hard to drive that yeah. way when you, when you don't have a finishing talent like that on your left wing. But um, one thing that surprised me with Vegas I was when I was listening to how just like how they played against Minnesota this year, it sounds like their power play hasn't been too good against uh, uh. Minnesota and you would think with all this talent on the back end and they have all this good net front presence, they'd be able to get a good power play going. But I mean, I mean, I, I was watching that first period. They could, they had probably what, uh, three power plays, something like that. Yeah. They I think they had shots in the first. Yeah. They had a lot. Oh my gosh. And they just, they just kept peppering Talbot and Talbot just held down the fort. And I guess it's another case with Tampa. They with the wild, except just like kind of the polar opposite. They, they are opportunistic, but it was it was one of those cases where they're just kind of hanging around, waiting for Vegas to make that mistake, and it finally happens, and they get it from Petrangelo, and good for them, honestly. Now you got home ice advantage going home, even if you lose, drop game two. Dude, you took one on the road, which is took more one than on the road, game one on the road. That's huge. That's huge, and the fact that you shut them out too, that's huge. Because like 
that can't be understated enough. You get shut out game one, that's going to sit with your psyche. I mean, look what happened to the freaking Hawks when that happened. Oh, my God. <laughs> it doesn't sit well with you. So, like, unless Vegas comes out swinging game two early, you might be able to ride that a little. You know what I mean? If you're the Minnesota Wild, it, it's, it, you know what you – I mean, you know it more than anyone. Hockey's more of a mental game at times than a physical game. Who's got that mental toughness to overcome those – um or, or you know, just overcome those bad things that can happen to you during a playoff run. So, I don't know, man. This this series, this is that was probably the most surprising game for me. I did not think Minnesota was going to hold their ground as well as they did, which I guess I probably should have because they won five out of eight in the regular yeah. season against them. But it's just like the way they play. I didn't think that was going to work against Vegas, but gave them props for give them credit where credits due. They held their own. So. Yeah, I was looking at the stats for Minnesota this year. Not the best, like, Corsi, but when you look at their expected goals for and high danger chances for it, they're really good. Like, they're pretty good at, um, uh, like, uh, keeping you to the outside and you obviously look at that goal. They're good at getting the high danger areas with what Joel Erickson acted and going back to like the mental part of things like <laughs> Vegas again this is three years or three seasons yeah. in a row now you know it's like we barely beat Vancouver we lost in five to Dallas and it's like oh shit here we go again and it's, it's gonna be in- better than <laughs> yeah um yeah they're clearly better than Minnesota but there's just something about Minnesota and they're the magic of them like you just can't quantify for it. and Kirill Kaprizov I don't think he had a point but he was incredible like not that a point's coming trust me yeah not only did he have a like a great offensive game, did he have many good looks, but he was really good defensively. Like he stripped pucks from behind the net. He was good on the back check, and it's just, you know, you look at him. He's not a very big guy. I think he's only like five nine, but he's two hundred pounds. He's impossible to knock off. But he plays with like a lot of tenacity. He's not afraid to shy down from physical confrontation. And I love that. Um, but I think that's going to be a, like a really underrated series, Minnesota and Vegas, because I I know I've like just looking at things because Minnesota not only did they play them really well this year, like but in Vegas's history, they play them very well. So I think this is going to go far. I still think Vegas does it, but I would not be surprised well if Minnesota upsets them. I still do want to see Vegas win. Like as great as it would see, be to see Minnesota win, I do want to see that Vegas Colorado series so badly. And but uh. Not, yeah. Nonetheless, that was, it was an incredible game. Uh, like we mm-hmm. people got to pay more attention to this series. So, um, on to the next game, uh, another overtime game: Islanders versus the Penguins, and kind of the same thing as uh, Florida versus Tampa. Um, like how Florida was probably the better team in that game, especially on five and five. But then you look at Pittsburgh; they were, pr- I would say, they're the better team, except for maybe the third period but they just could not get a save from Tristan Jari. And it's kind of interesting from Pittsburgh because there was a couple series when they won the cup where they just go, especially that series against Washington where they just goyed the hell out of Washington. <laughs> and then you look at this year, they played really well. I thought they should have won that game against the Islanders, but Sorokin, who interestingly started, I thought it was Varlamov, but he was injured. I didn't know that he started. I thought he looked great, but Tristan Jari, man, oh man. <laughs> that glove side, you know, they were New York was uh, targeting that all game and uh, very opportunistic. Uh, Kyle Palmieri with two goals. Um, it's just, a, and that's a huge win for Islanders, especially on the road because Pittsburgh has been so good on home ice this year, and that's good. that's a huge win. Even if they don't win that next game, they get to go back to home ice, and if they win all their home ice games, they won the series. So that's a huge win for the Islanders on the road in game one. Yeah, definitely. I um, that game was actually it kind of was going the way that we kind of talked about on the podcast when we were talking when we were previewing that series. If the Islanders got the first goal, look out, they get it, and they kind of play their game for a little bit, and then Pittsburgh gets that huge five on five swing late in the first, and that continues through to the second, and they looked like like you said they looked like the better team up until then. Crosby had that great one handed. Oh tip my on god, the Crosby block. was incredible that game. Oh my god, Crosby could have had three goals if he just. Like he missed the net like twice where he was point blank and probably could have had it. Like he had a great game, but um, yeah, they just they could not get a save from Tristan no. Jari. It like it was I every goal I just look at my buddy Keegan who's an Islanders fan and I would just say, oh my god, that went glove again, and he'd just start laughing. He was just like it's like Matt Murray all over again. I was again. Say that's Matt <laughs> Which by oh, the way, if Flurry is still on Pittsburgh, are they a legitimate cup favorite? Probably. Because at least he's, he makes those saves. Yeah. Like, I mean, 
this, the overtime winner should never go in. I'm sorry. <laughs> the way he was hugging the post was awful. Um, I would argue the Pajot goal probably shouldn't go in all the time. He just kind of, it was a great boy. shot. Don't get me wrong, but he yeah. just bangs it in off the left circle. Like you shouldn't allow people to do that all the time. Paul Marys was the exact same off the right circle. And you got to think like that game, they played pretty well against Barzell too, but it was just, they ran four lines every shift. And I think he really noticed it that game. Ryan Pollock and Adam Pellick are going to make a huge difference in this series. And I thought Noah Dobson had a really good game too. But just the fact that that back end is so active and it, it's not like it's not active like people think like Nashville active where they're going to jump into the offense and score goals. But they're there are these times where you exactly like you'll see a time where like Pellet jumps in and takes a shot and then he'll rotate with one of the guys and then that basically enters the zone and then that's how they start cycling. It's I mean, it's a smart way to play. And I, I got to give credit to Barry Trotz because they came out in the third period and that was a different. Oh, definitely. Team. that. Like that was their best period of the game. And honestly, after they scored that third goal, I thought they were going to clamp it down and, and show Kapanen it. And scores yeah. 30 seconds later. And I just I, I just thought to myself, oh, my gosh, Pittsburgh really is going to screw around and like steal this game in overtime. I thought they were going to win after away. that. Because after that third goal the Islanders scored, I thought they were going to win. But then when Kapanen scored, I'm like, okay, Pittsburgh, yeah. they're not fucking around. They're and then Kapanen scared. had another chance in overtime that was really good. And I think he just missed the net. Like, man, that's that's a series where if Pittsburgh loses, they're going to look back at game one. Oh, and that's going to bite them in them. the butt yeah. big time. Frederick Goudreau, dude. Frederick Goudreau, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Of course he was the first one to get a goal like of course and of course he's on um, pittsburgh too because he got three goals in that cup final against pittsburgh and it just he kind of had a couple of years where he's in the minors and really didn't play on the team and of course he starts figuring it out on pittsburgh which is just it's funny but good for him though oh yeah definitely and uh i don't know malkin's health is for game two but they did that without malkin and they look pretty good and that's one thing that i kind of realized at pittsburgh when i was watching that game i don't know about if you thought this too but um when pittsburgh's on the power play without malkin they don't have that shot like, they don't have a shot like that on the right circle. Because when you used to watch Pittsburgh's power play over the years, Malkin hones that right circle. You got Crosby low, let's hang high, whoever the fuck you want in the left circle, and then someone in the bumper. When you don't have that option that with Malkin. Patrick Hornquist, dude. Yeah, Patrick Hornquist, Phil Kessel, like, Brian, or Jake Guntill now, I guess. But when you swap a Malkin for a Brian Russ, it just changes the whole complexion of that power play. And, uh... I mean, maybe they can switch it up a little because I personally, I thought Jeff Carter's line looked really good in game one. Um, I think it was like him, McCann and Kapanen, uh, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was Kapanen. Yeah. So that's a good line. Like if if that's the line that's rolling, maybe put one of those guys on the top power play because I mean, it clearly looks like Sidney Crosby's ready to put on the Sidney oh, Crosby. Oh, for sure. Just give him some help. <laughs> like, <laughs> And hopefully maybe Malkin coming back will do that. So. But like you said, Tristan Jari's got to make a goddamn save up. Yeah, high. dude, if he can't figure lovely. it out, if he can't figure it out, this series might be over very quickly. I was because... like looking at his numbers, and I was like, Kevin Lankinen had a better save percentage than this dude. That's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, even with Sorokin in it, I thought he was great that game. Yeah, Sorokin um, was. I I thought he like settled in a lot as the yeah. game went on. Like as the game progressed, he, got, he definitely got better and better as the game went on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know if they, I I don't know if they go back to Varlama or they just stay with Sorokin. But either way, I'm more confident with either one of them in that than I am with Chari or hell. Even if they go to, I don't think they can even go back to DeSmith because he's injured. And are they, who are going to turn over? I think it was Max Legacy. I think that's their backup. Are you legend, baby? Oh my god, are you seriously going to go to him? You need a, a save from Jari, and if he can't figure it out this series, it's going to be over very quickly. Yep, and that was always the problem with Pittsburgh once Flurry left. It was like, oh, Murray's the answer. Then Murray wasn't the answer. And I feel like everyone this offseason with P- Pittsburgh kind of just looked at it and said, okay, Tristan Jari was ass in the bubble last year. You really going in with that this year? And they got lucky because they had a very good offense this year, so they was yep. able to counteract it, but can't do that come playoff time. So. Oh, it's tough to do that. Like, again, you can have Crosby – Maybe even steal you a few games, but is that going to win you a series? I don't know, man. Like, you need a, it doesn't matter and how that's well. That's crazy to say because Crosby, like you said, was yeah. on his A game last night yeah. or Sunday. Like, he was out of this world good. And I, I just remember sitting there and every time it, every time I watch Crosby, it's just fun. Because, like, obviously when you have McDavid, it's like watching a video game character. But when Cindy Crosby's on the ice... The whole complexion of all 10 skaters he, changes. He, like, all the little things he does is incredible. 
every time he touches the puck, it's going to the right spot. Like, you don't mm-hmm. even have to question it. He might do, like, a bank pass that's, like, 50 feet off the ice. Not off the ice, but, like, ahead of the ice. And you're like, that's, yeah. there's no way that's going to get to Latane's stick right on his tape. Like, it looks, makes it look like a preschooler could do it. It's, <laughs> it's just, oh, man. The way the best players of the game process it, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, but, it, yeah, again, if... if... Jerry can figure like that's a big thing. Tristan Jerry, if he doesn't figure it out, like I think I've said this a few times, that series is over quickly. And again, you we brought up Pul- Pelic and Pulak earlier. I'm gonna keep banging that drum. They need to both be on the Canadian Olympic team, and they've yeah. got to be like the number one defensive pair because they were really good. I thought so dynamic on the ice, and like, and and it goes it goes three pairings deep. I'd say because like I'd say the only defenseman to have an eh game was that Mayfield Green pairing. But it, that's their yeah, third any pair. green man. Like even on that goal against Crosby, you can't even blame. That's just Crosby, Crosby. Being Crosby. <laughs> like yeah, like, good, yeah, good position on him and had him tied yeah. up and everything. But of course, it's Crosby getting the stick out like on his backhand. It's just I was yeah, it's just genuinely shocked. Like guys like Nick Letty were making great plays on defense, and I know yeah. Nick Letty's not. I mean, he's all right, but he's kind of not the guy you'd expect to be making a sprawling block like stopping a two-on-one you know when you guys are making plays like that jobs are easier for everyone so yeah all right so the last game we're gonna go over is the bruins and capitals and uh honestly i was pretty surprised the how the way washington played they came out hard they played very physical and i thought they were the better team like boston they had their chances definitely like i thought they played close but i thought washington was definitely deserving of that victory and it was because I really thought Boston was going to dominate them, but but you know, come game two, like again, this series is not over. I think come game two, we're going to see a lot more out of that. Uh, what they call it, the perfection line, mm-hmm. and uh, that second lines. But uh, oh man, it, it sucks so much watching Vitek Vanacek go out, especially especially getting scored on. Like that stinks. But it sucks. But how Craig Anderson came in, I think he turns 40 on Friday. That's, that's an incredible story. And he came in and he looked good because he, I think he only played four regular season games and it's hard. It's hard coming in that cold, but he was incredible that game. And it was a great story. Yeah. Like Craig Anderson, I don't feel like gets enough credit for what he did. Cause he's been on the taxi squad all year. And I don't think people, I don't think that's been shined on enough by many NHL like teams or, or broadcast organizations. Just how, how draining that's got to be for those six or seven guys that got to sit on the taxi. Like imagine like guys like Brandon Peary and Colin Delia that barely got to play games this year and just sat on the taxi squad all year. Cause the Hawks had to have players on there. That's kind of how it was for Craig Anderson. And I, I get to give them and the capital capitals defensive system credit because they limited Boston's chances extremely well after Craig Anderson came in. I'm pretty sure Boston had 12 shots at one point in the second period. Like it was, it was a clinic they were putting on defensively, and I got to give them credit for that. And I remember, I just remember telling my buddy Connor, you know, I just said, you know, Craig Anderson's done this before, kind of. I mean, he led that magical Ottawa one run back in 2017. He knows how to, he knows what it's like to play in these big game situations, and clearly, it looks like Boston wants to play down to their competition. So, I mean. That's a huge win for them right there. I mean, that's just a major win because you lose game one and then people are just, there's just going to be questions all over the place. What's going on with the goaltending? Oh my God, can Craig Anderson do this? Blah, 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 blah. Oh my gosh. Like they're just going to need to be healthy and whatever. And it's kind of, kind of silence the haters for a little bit for Washington. They can, they have, they can, they're able to start. And you, I think you said Craig Anderson starting again tonight, if I recall. Yes. So. I mean, it shows they have faith in them, but it, it's going to come down to the Capitals' defense this series if that's the case. And if they can have an effort like they had in Game 1, then this could be a series. But, man, they have to play lights out. And I know Lazon's out tonight for Boston, so that's going to be huge because he plays in their top four a good bit. So they're going to be missing some people. But um, I think Connor Clifton's going in for him. So that'll be interesting to see how that works. But it kind of just sounds like Boston just needs their top line to get going. Like you said, they just need that Pasternak, Marshan Berger online. Just to, it, I feel like all they're going to need is one goal. You know, they're going to need one goal and that's just going to set them off. Kind of how those Leafs series used to go. Not comparing the Capitals to the Leafs in any way, shape <laughs> or form. Caps are a completely different team, but um, you know, just like 
it all it takes is one. Like like uh like you said, all it takes is one. Like look at Kyle Palmieri. Had that great shot, and then he had two more points that night. Three point game. Like it, it, that's all it takes sometimes. Like look at Kucherov. <laughs> Kucherov had three points in his return. Like all it takes is one to get your offense going. And I mean, I I just I, the way I looked at like I was just kind of surprised by that game because I thought Boston came out way more flat footed than I thought they were gonna come. Oh out. yeah, Washington definitely brought it to them like Especially in terms with- of physicality. From Boston's perspective, Vanacek goes down, and like their team just. I thought that was gonna go so south for Washington. I thought it was gonna be three one at the end of the first. Just like step on that throw. You have a power play. Do something. But Washington went storm so well. Good on Washington, man, because that could have got ugly, and they they didn't allow it to. So. I just wanted to bring up Craig Anderson career lifetime playoff save percentage of nine twenty nine. What the fuck. I know, <laughs> looked it up, and I'm like, this cannot be real, and it's it's real, and the lowest save percentage he's ever had in a playoff run is 918. That is ridiculous. The dark horse of the playoffs, Craig Anderson. Who would have effing thought? Oh my gosh, dude, 929. Oh That's, my, what did he have in 2017 when he was on that Ottawa run? Let me check because I had it pulled up. I believe it was a 922, which is incredible. 922. Yes. Oh my God! So I'll go year by year. 2010 with Colorado, he had a 9.33, lost in six games. Had a 9.33 a game in 2012 with Ottawa, lost in seven games. Had a 9.18 in ten games. I think they lost in the second round to Pittsburgh that year. And then 2015 was their incredible run. I believe Hammond started the first two games, and then Anderson came in. He was two and two, and he had a 0.97 goals against average and a 9.72 save percentage. <laughs> like what? Like if, if they, start, if they start Anderson that series, they might even win that. But but that um, was the Hamburglar, so. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last time he was in the playoffs, 2017, deepest run, 19 games, 234 goals against average, 922 save percentage, one shutout, just incredible. Yeah. 920, that's that's ridiculous. That totally blew my mind when I saw that. Craig Anderson just killing it. And I, uh, one thing that we didn't talk about with the Caps is this was without Kuznetsov again, so... <laughs> Uh, the big worry a... that we were talking about with Courtney Laughlin was like, can second line center Lars Eller hold down the fort? And did pretty good for the first night. So yeah, see if he can continue. But like, I mean, you, we talked about it. I think before, if, if the Cavs' big four is going, they're gonna have a chance in this series. Even if their depth isn't scoring, that big four can give them enough offense for that or to drive play. But they're also going to need a better game out of John Carlson. He's going to have to stop taking dumb penalties because <laughs> he's got Dougie Hamilton syndrome with that. <laughs> okay, so yeah, they play tonight again. We were gonna we're gonna get a glimpse of first glimpse of Nashville and Carolina, and then St. Louis and Colorado. Hopefully, another good night of hockey and maybe some more overtime. Love yeah, it. saw Vladimir Tarasenko's back. So I I think David Perron's not playing for them either. Yeah, on the COVID That's list. That's huge I think. for them. Because yeah. he was, I think he was, he was their best point producer. He Him silently, yeah, he silently, I think, had 58 points in 56 games, which. David Perron <laughs> has been super consistent the last four years. <laughs> no one talks about it. Like, no. since he went to Vegas, um, when they first got the expansion, he's been just lights out. It's crazy. But. I'm very curious to see how these games go tonight, especially like you said with the 12,000 fans in Carolina. Oh, it's gonna be crazy! I'm gonna because Nashville's got 12,000 too, so it's just like which yeah. one's gonna be rowdy? Which which college football town's gonna be bigger? Yeah, because <laughs> obviously even 2006, I remember it like on TV, like watching on my box TV that that crowd was was crazy there in Carolina, even though I was cheering for the Oilers to win, and Nashville. But just remember that 2017 run, like their crowd was incredible. And oh, yeah. Rowdy, the rowdy crowds, and that's the best. Yeah. Like, if they got a crowd like Florida's did last night, it's going to be a fun time. Because those, those two teams, well, at least one of them's high octane. The other one's kind of there. But, like, if <laughs> Carolina gets going early, you never know. <laughs> oh, my God. That's going to be key. They got to get to UC Saros early. Yeah. No, it's, I still think they won that series, but they got to, like, they got to find a way to beat them because yeah, don't let up the first goal in that in that game. No. They can't let up the first goal. No, I think Colorado they just need to step on the fucking throat of St. Louis. Oh, I think I think yeah. they're going to do. 
they're already just... they're ready to just fucking pounce on this team. Oh my gosh. Yeah, like I love Ryan O'Reilly, but I mean no David Perron. I just don't trust Jordan Biddington to get it done. I think this is gonna be over quickly. Like this is Colorado series to lose. You said they have like low high danger scoring chances and stuff. Oh, they're one of the best worst or worst possession teams in the league. Yeah, Colorado that's... was number one across the board. Like they had <laughs> like their percentages were fifty eight to sixty even. Like it's yeah. crazy. Doesn't that doesn't add up for success one bit. Um uh did they say who's getting the start for Carolina tonight? Is it Mrazic? I or... think it was Nadelkovich. Oh, Nadelkovich is getting the start game. I, I think he should, definitely. Like he's been incredible. Which by the way, I'm pretty sure I brought this up last time. Delkovich was on waivers and no one claimed him. And he might get Calder votes. <laughs> it's, just, it's crazy how this sport is sometimes. How oh, yeah. it's just voodoo wizardry and bullshit. But, uh, yeah, because he was a big prospect for Carolina for a while, wasn't he? Like, and he won the second round in 2014, I think. I don't remember, but. Yeah, and he just kind of fell off. Oh, thanks, Rod Brindamore. On oh, that Delkovich will be the star of the night. He might be. Oh, that's very uh, Coach Q of him. Very Quin, yeah, very Quinville of you. Very Quinvillian. Steven Lorenz in the game one. Dude, Vincent Warren Fogel's on the second line. Why is Sveshnikov on the third line? Jesus, dude. I mean, I guess four lines because it's Nashville, but still. I mean, I can't pick that apart too much because Carolina has done so well. Seems like Slavin's in the lineup, too, so. I know he was a... Uh, uh, game time decision oh, yeah he was a game time decision this morning but it seems like he's going to be in the lineup so that's huge because if he wasn't i'd assume they throw in jay gardner because he's healthy <laughs> i like how jake gardner's their healthy scratch i know it's ridiculous how deep they are it's like actually silly oh here we go baby matt duchene eric Halla, tanner Janot. Jimmy's <laughs> that the first line. No, that's their third line. Oh, their se- third line. Listen to their second line. Callie Yarncroak, Mikhail Granlin, and Luke Cunnan. Fuck Luke Cunnan, by the way. He was a hot killer this year. Oh, I don't know who it is. Alexander Carrier is on the second pairing. With uh, Ekholm? Yep. Mm. Then, oh, Gabranson's not starting game one? Why oh. wouldn't you start your trade deadline what acquisition? They, what are they doing? They give a, a 2023 Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. Tolvanen's not in the game one lineup. What? Scratched or is he injured? It says he's healthy. Oh, my God. Are you fucking kidding me? They deserve to lose now. (laughs) Dude, their best offensive player is not playing tonight. Perhaps. Are you kidding me? Bro, I don't give a fuck who a Yakov Trennan is. He's not Ely. He's not. Tolvanen! Like, what was, is John Hines smoking? And he was finding his game this year. I'm just gonna... Jimmy, Jimmy just woke oh, up. Just, yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> he's like, I hope it's going well. I was gonna be like, John Hines is a baby back bitch. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. I hate John Hines. How did this... How did... How did David Poyle look at that? Like, they fired Laviolette, who was a They're pretty decent coach. And they were like, you know, let's go get the coach of the Devils, who was like, Really not the reason the Devils made the playoffs a couple years ago. Oh, man. I was, like, death taxes me getting pissed at the Predators. But now this is just me feeling bad for him because, like, why are you not starting? Like, I I just hope that's, like, a prediction and Tolvanen's in the lineup game one. Because if he's not, then I'm sorry, Predator fans. That that makes no sense. (laughs) I'm telling you, it's short. People just can't command your respect, eh? Bro, it's crazy how that works. Like, I don't (laughs) understand. (laughs) But it's just they're they're trying their best to lose, and it's like UC Strauss is like, nah, we're not, that's nah, not gonna happen. I don't want to win the Vesna, so yeah. we're just gonna. Fall. I'm gonna drag y'all's asses to the playoffs when we get thumped by Carolina, and then they're gonna win like five one tonight, and I'm just gonna text you and just, oh, I'm not gonna be happy. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna be happy. Like Tanner Janot is gonna, you know what? That's my prediction. Tanner Janot, whether it's the opening goal, he's gonna score. Because that just seems like he and Trenton are going to score. Because I talk shit about both of them. So <laughs> I've maybe, literally maybe a little yarn crook in there too. Yeah. I've literally never. At least yarn crook is decent, but like Tanner's a no. I've never heard of this guy before he came up. So I call imagine um fucking Kelly yarn crook. According to Pat Foley. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's right. Um, anything <laughs> else to add to that game? I don't think so. 
I think that's about it. It was a pretty yeah. quick podcast, but yeah, I didn't want to spend too much like time Thursday when we got the Canadian game started. Oh, that's oh, that's what I wanted to bring up. I'm so excited for those to start up. It's I so still shout find... out to Connor McDavid, 105 points. Holy Jeez. fucking shit! Unbelievable. No one and even... Alex to break it for finishing third in goal scoring. Ayo, the best thing about not only did McDavid have 105 points, but the next high scoring player was Drysdale with 84. No one else hit 70 points. It's goofy. It's goofy, dude. It's goofy. That's why the Winnipeg Jets are winning Game One Wednesday oh. night. It's gonna be like it's gonna be like Chicago Edmonton all over again. Right, dude. Who's gonna be the um, Dominic Kubalik of this series? Nick Ehlers. Nick, I was just gonna say it. Nick Ehlers. And then the Brandon Sod's gonna be Andrew Cop. <laughs> oh my God. The Matt no, is gonna be um fucking what's his name? Mason Appleton. <laughs> <laughs> this is the question though. Who's gonna be the uh the uh the only one on Slater Slater <laughs> He's definitely gonna be one of them. And Jamie Ben. Yeah, Jordy Penn. <laughs> <laughs> or Jordy Penn, Jesus. Oh my god, yes, that's gonna be great. One of them's gonna have like six points, and it's gonna be like, what the fuck is going well, uh, on? Well, Billy Hainola sits. Yeah, Billy Hainola's not gonna be playing it. He's gonna be like Boquist last year. But like, just Derek Forbort's gonna be having like the fucking playoff of his life. No, you know who could, I I could actually see being that? Dylan DeMello. I always forget they have Dylan Lamello. Yeah, that's he's that's... really good. Like he's probably their only good defenseman. They play him on the third pairing. I'm pretty sure. Like I saw a, a thing of him. It's like he has decent numbers. Like play him more. Why are you giving guys like uh... God? I don't even know any of their defensemen because they're so bad. Stanley, why? Like why? He's just tall. Oh, because he's like six seven. Every time he steps on the ice. Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> they took him out over Alex DeBrincat, by the way. Because thank God. Taller. Pretty sure they took him with our pick too. No, I think that was Philadelphia. I think they traded it to Philadelphia. If I'm not mistaken, they used that pick to move up and get Stanley. And the pick that Philadelphia used from Chicago, they got German Rubsoff, I think it was. So that Andrew Ladd trade, even though we gave up a first and down, like that's pretty. It's like looking back on it, that was nothing, really. Not, not even, especially since you get to break it in the second round. Yeah. Matter. Oh, and Chud Chris. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> Shout out to Q. <laughs> Um, the last thing I wanted to bring up, uh, Leah Hextall to do play-by-play for ESPN, which is awesome. That's so good for uh, the league. Like, yeah, and the game of hockey. Because you know they're going to put her on prime broadcasts mm-hmm. all the time, and that's something that places like NBC Sports had, didn't have the balls to do. So it's good that we're getting that. And, and she's good, too. Like, she, like I've only heard her on, I think, two broadcasts before. but I think she I, did the NCAA, if I'm not mistaken. Super solid, so... You know, it's like we've had guys like Keith Jones and Mike Milbury on just these old, like, grumpy dinosaur voices. It's so nice to get someone new on there, um, a different p- perspective. And girls that are watching hockey, little girls, and they hear a female voice on uh, TV. Sorry, I should say woman voice. <laughs> um, but just just hearing that, that's going to be so big for them. Maybe they don't play the game of hockey, but maybe that'll inspire them to become a broadcaster and be involved with the game of hockey because anyone, again, anyone should be allowed in the yeah, game of hockey. Yeah, hockey's for everyone. And, like, the more opinions you get on a panel when you're talking about hockey, it's better for the sport because it just brings more eyes in because you have more opinions and it gives more people the idea that their voice could be heard. Because when you just have these narrow minds, these narrow hockey minds all talking to each other and they all have the same opinion, it just gets old after a while but you know now we're getting new fresh minds that want to bring new stuff into the game and they want to have their opinions be known and like they just want to they want to see the sport grow just as much as everyone else and everyone else should have the opportunity for that yeah that's watching... what's good now like it, it shouldn't have taken this long but i'm glad it's finally happening mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah um better late than never i guess and like watching patrick sharp and dominic moore at the intermission so refreshing because not only patrick sharp is so hot but like <laughs> <laughs> but they're they're say, actually seen, like they actually called give... the overtime winner too for the island i know i know sharp was like it's gonna be called and i'm pretty here. sure i'm pretty sure dominic moore called joel erickson eck too if oh, I'm not mistaken. wow okay so they're just on it <laughs> they were on I it, it sharper right. more but they both got it right so hey there we go yeah, like I just—it's just nice to see those new faces. Thank God we don't have Mike Babcock yapping to us on the intermission report. <laughs> Pierce has got it out for Mike Babcock. <laughs> Dude, I do not like Mike Babcock. Like, 
does. Like honestly, even like before the the whole incident, like we found out about him, I just never thought he was a good coach. And I don't oh, know God. why he was in Detroit for so long. Like he didn't oh. do anything in Detroit. He won one ring, right? Yeah. Oh wait, that's it. And 2010 Olympics, like seriously, who it doesn't matter who coaches that Congratulations, team. Congratulations, you had yeah. a fucking super team twice. Like goddamn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just never seemed like he, he never really did anything in Toronto. Yeah, he did make bring them to the playoffs, but he never got it past the over the hump. And he never developed like was there for three years and never put Marner with Matthews. No. <laughs> like really, <sighs> never put Matthews on his one timer shot in the power play. Really, like it just a lot of the shit he did made no sense. And I know, and I'm pretty sure he played Patrick Marlowe more. Carolyn playing fifteen yeah. minutes a night. Leo Komarov leading the team in ice time and playing more the most ice time in overtime. You know, shit hey, like that, you know? Hey, but Barry Trotz can do it. First slide left winger. Because right. Barry, Barry Trotz is a, Barry Trotz at least wins. Okay? I know. Barry, I was going to say that Barry Trotz is actually a good fucking coach. I saw someone say they were like, oh, well, I'd rather go 0-82 and watch my team be fun than go 82-0 and and win like the Islanders. I was like, motherfucker, oh, everyone would like a team like the you Islanders. Win, you God, win. they just win and win and win and win. And, nope, that's a problem because they're boring. Like, fuck off. Jesus. And Do you watch the sport to win or do you watch it to, like, I, I just, ugh, whatever. I could see as an opposing fan why you'd be pissed off, but who cares if you're the fan of the team? Like, my dad's a Devils fan, and when they won in the 90s and early 2000s, they were probably the most boring team. But my dad's like, I don't care. They won three cups in, I think it was eight years. Yeah, like, who gives a shit? Oh my gosh. It's just, it's like the most petty shit to complain about. It's like you're just jealous that your team gives up five a game. Like,. <laughs> See, uh, hockey fans just always find something to complain about. It's yeah, natural. Yeah, but this. Right. What about ism? What about isms? That's yes. what hockey. That's what hockey should just be renamed. That's what hockey fans should be renamed to. What about isms? Not fans. Uh, what about isms? Because that's what or what it is. <laughs> Anyways, I think that's it. I'm not yeah. the longest podcast, but uh, I just want to get this uh, out before the games tonight. Um. And yeah, hopefully another uh, good night of hockey. The when spoiled with the first two nights, all of them basically overtime games. Certainly all yeah, one goal games. Night. I don't know which one, but one of yeah, them. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's the Nashville and uh, St. Louis that get blown out. I would fucking love that. Mm-hmm. And I hope Boston and Washington just continue to tear each other apart. Yeah, I would like to see seven games of that. Anyways, um, thank you all for tuning in. Hope you're getting your vaccinations, wearing your masks, and uh, social distancing. And uh, enjoy your Monday night, y'all. Have a good night.